0: Amen. Mike, thank you very much. I'd like to turn to that passage that Ian read for us uh, just a a moment ago, Psalm 65. That would be very helpful. I'll just pop that up as well. Thank you. Uh, Yes, we're in uh, Psalm 65 uh, this uh, this morning. Uh, Great song of harvest, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, It's page 580, if you uh, uh, find that helpful. Uh, Would you describe yourself as a thankful person? I wonder... Uh, I found a survey very recently, uh, which uh, is from the States, which suggested that 80% of the respondents would describe them thus, that they are thankful uh, people. It's uh, quite a high proportion, I thought. Uh, What was really interesting was that of that uh, same people who uh, were polled, uh, 80% thought that general levels of thanksgiving in society had dropped. Funny, isn't it? We all think that we're thankful and nobody else is. doesn't quite work out, does it? And as I've been preparing um, this week, I've had a go at tracing the theme of thankfulness through the Scriptures, and it's astonishing um, just how frequently the Scripture exhorts us uh, to be thankful, uh, to give thanks to God for all that he's done for us, all that he's given us. Uh, It is an essential part of being a disciple. And yet, it's also amazing how uh, often the scripture warns us about being, uh, well, unthankful, I suppose. Uh, Ungrateful people of not thanking God for all that he's uh, given us. Uh, And it got me thinking, and I I think, I guess the fact that Gresham doesn't always come easy to us, is probably the reason um, why God told his people uh, to, uh, to celebrate a number of festivals throughout the Old Testament, of which uh, Harvest is sort of, I, I guess, uh, is linked with. There were several festivals uh, throughout the Old Testament, and all of them have at their heart an idea of remembering all the blessings that God had given his people, and thanking him for them. Uh, this psalm that we have uh, in front of us it, it's, it's probably comes from one of those festivals. We can't be quite sure, but it, it's more than likely uh, it did. Uh, in it, the psalmist gives us lots and lots of things that we could give thanks uh, to God for. And I want to just focus on three this morning. Uh, I want to focus on God's grace. I want to focus on God's might. And I want to focus on God's goodness. Let's look at first, shall we? Give thanks for God's grace, uh, says the psalmist. Uh, there's a story told of how the, uh, the writer, Charles Lamb, was entertaining some friends uh, for dinner one evening. Uh, and as you do, you know, you, the wine was flowing, good food was, uh, was coming. Uh, and eventually they got round to, in their conversation, thinking about what they would do if some famous figure from history walked in and joined them. What would they say? What questions would they ask? How would they respond if that happened? Eventually, someone got to Jesus, and the room fell completely silent. Uh, and Lamb said this. He said, if Shakespeare came in, we'd all get up and shake his hand and greet him. And yet, if Jesus came in, we would all fall silent at his feet. Uh, it's not immediately obvious uh, from the psalm, uh, but actually, in an echo of Lamb's words, uh, the starting point for the psalmist's thanks is silence, silence. Uh, Verse 1 that we have that says, uh, our NIV Bibles have translated, praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. It's probably better translated, something along the lines of praise waits for you in silence. Uh, It's a hard thing to think about, isn't it, in our world? Uh, We live in a busy 24-hour world, it's always on the go. Uh, Silence so often gets pushed out in noise. And yet sometimes to fall silent before God is actually the height of praise and worship. Why is the psalmist uh, silent? Well, the reason, I think, is clear from verse 3. He says, when we were overwhelmed by sins, Uh, he comes before God and he's consumed by a sense of his unworthiness. He knows that he and his fellow worshippers stand before God as unclean. They're people who've turned their back on God. They are overwhelmed by their failure to Follow him as they should do. And to fall silent is, I guess, the only appropriate response. It's almost like a stunned silence. Uh, I think back to Isaiah chapter 6. Almost falling silence as he saw the holiness of God. And yet, wonderfully, the second half of verse 3 uh, shows us that we can give thanks with the psalmist. Uh, because uh, despite being overwhelmed by sin... God has dealt with it. At verse 3, the psalmist says, you forgave our transgressions. Uh, There's a footnote uh, at um, verse 3 which says uh, an alternative translation is uh, God made atonement for sin. Um, The word that the Hebrew uses is quite a difficult one to translate. There's lots of different meanings to it. Uh, But essentially at its heart, there is an idea that because a price has been paid. Uh, God's just anger at sin has been turned aside. Uh, It's been dealt with so that his people can be reconciled to him again. And that's uh, echoed in verse 4, isn't it? The psalmist says, blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. Uh, He knows that because of this atonement, because of this forgiveness, he can come back to God and be reconciled, restored to him again. How exactly has this happened? How has the situation gone from uh, being overwhelmed by sin to being friends with God again? The psalmist uh, doesn't really tell us. Uh, Indeed, he probably wouldn't have really known a great deal about it. Uh, But we, with the hindsight of the Scriptures, uh, can see, I guess, in high definition what the psalmist only saw Uh, in shadows, Uh, we can rejoice that we know the rest of the Bible story. We know that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us on the cross, to deal with those sins, uh, to deal with our rebellion, uh, the things that overwhelm us before a holy God, and so that we could be restored to that relationship with him. Uh, And we know that as the cross works backwards, And forwards throughout time, throughout history, Uh, we can join with the psalmist and all of God's people and say this with him. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you, God, forgave our transgressions. That's true for us. It's true for all of God's people throughout all of time. Uh, We can praise God, thank him for his grace, that grace that gives us what we don't deserve, forgiveness. When we were overwhelmed with sin, God forgave us and welcomed us back. There are many things that we can be thankful for at harvest. Many, many things. And that's right that we do thank God for. But there's something wrong if we forget the reason that we are supremely thankful to God. Uh, He has welcomed us back. He's given us a life that we don't deserve in his son, the Lord Jesus. He died the death that we should have died to give us the life that we shouldn't have we can praise God for his astounding grace. Secondly, the psalmist gives thanks uh, for God's might. Um, I I guess most of us can probably think of times uh, when we've been struck dumb by uh, the the, the majesty and awe of creation. It's a bit hard to do in Norfolk, but I love to uh, go out into the mountains uh, when I get the opportunity. I never fail to be amazed when I go climbing up in the mountains. Uh, just how astonishing they are. There's something so majestic um, about them. And the psalmist is very clear. Uh, for him, the mountains and the seas haven't just come about by accident. They are supremely testimonies to the might and the power of God. Look with me at um, verse 6. The psalmist celebrates, uh, God our Saviour, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who still the roaring of the seas the roaring of their waves. Uh, They haven't just emerged. They've come because God has been at work creating them, shaping them. Uh, He is the one who is at work in our world, creating it and sustaining it. Uh, No wonder the psalmist can say that the whole earth is in awe of uh, God's wonders. And yet the psalmist praises God that not only does he display his might in the natural worlds, in creation, in the Uh, in the mountains and in the uh, stilling of the seas. But he also displays his might in the lives of his people. Verse 5. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth. Uh, God uh, works in his people's lives. He saves them from oppression and despair. Uh, Politically, uh, he stills the turmoil of the nations, whatever else is going on in the world, whatever else that his people are facing. Uh, God is at work stilling things, just as he stills uh, the storms out uh, of the sea. Uh, no matter how small God's people might feel, no matter how big their enemies might seem, the psalmist rejoices that God's people worship a God who is greater still. He works in power on his people's behalf to save them and to bless them. Uh, The politician and historian, Lord Acton, famously said uh, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's a famous uh, quote, isn't it? We've probably heard that many times before. Uh, And the sad truth is that as we look around at the world uh, and we look back through history, those words have so often proved uh, to be true. Perhaps we can think of individuals in history, Hitler, Stalin, people like that. Uh, Men who manoeuvred their way into positions of power and uh, only to abuse it once they finally got hold of it. They made people's lives a misery. Uh, Millions of people suffered under their regime through their decisions and through uh, their abuse of their power. In our own time, we can look at evil regimes like the Taliban or uh, the regime in Iran or Robert Mugabe. Uh, in our own world, in our own country, many of us, I'm sure, will have been appalled to um, hear recently of those, uh, those child sex gangs in Rotherham um, uh, abusing vulnerable women. We just heard from Dave, tear uh, fund about um, th- those, uh, those uh, child trafficking issues. Uh, again and again in our world, it's been proved that power does sadly corrupt those who hold it. The psalmist rejoices that God is very... Very different. He has power like no other. His power is incomparable. He's got the power to shape mountains. He's got the power to still the storms, to still the seas. He flung stars into space. He raises up kings and he brings them down again. And yet, only does he use his power for good. He never uses it for bad. He only uses his power to bless and to accomplish his good purposes. Uh, We don't come before God in prayer wondering if he might accomplish something, if it's it's somehow possible for him. We can come in confidence. We know that he has power like no other. He's always acted on his people's behalf and he will continue to do so uh, today and always. As we gather here this morning, we'll all be in different places, I guess. There will be some of us who come uh, with thankful hearts, whether it's uh, the birth of a grandchild, Um, or whatever reason, uh, many things I'm sure we can give thanks for. And yet there'll be others for simply surviving the coming week is almost too much to think about. Uh, To be thankful is just too hard. And yet, I guess whatever our situation, we can give thanks for God's power at work in our lives. Whether it's looking back at the things he's achieved, maybe it's bringing uh, a friend or a family member to Christ, maybe it's a healing that we never thought would be possible. But we can also come in thanks knowing that God will be at work in our lives no matter how difficult it gets, sustaining us. Uh, he doesn't necessarily promise uh, to, to, uh, to deal with things immediately or in the way that we might hope he does. But we know that he's always going to be there. We can rely on his power to sustain us, uh, to keep us going. Uh, we can come before him in sure hope that he listens to us. He's able to accomplish far more than we could ever ask or imagine. We're going to have prayer ministry as usual after uh, the service. Uh, Let me encourage you, come forward if there's anything that's particularly on your heart, a situation that just seems beyond uh, human help. Uh, We trust and we give thanks to a God who works in power and might uh, to bless his people and to bless our world. Finally, uh, the psalmist says, Give thanks for God's goodness. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we can't be completely sure what the original context was for this um, psalm. Uh, I mean, it seems highly likely that it was probably first written for use in some kind of a harvest festival. Uh, the Israelites in the Old Testament had three festivals with a sort of harvest um, element to them. Uh, any one of them, I suppose, could have been the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity for this song. Uh, for an agricultural community like ancient Israel, um, the significance of harvest was very, very clear. Um, a fruitful harvest meant they had plenty of food to eat and the year could, uh, could, could, be, uh, could be good. Uh, a poor one could mean famine and, uh, and people going hungry. And for those in agriculture today and rural communities, that link is still the same. I grew up in the countryside and um, for, uh, for, for my friends, uh, harvest had a great significance. If they had a, a bad harvest, it could mean a really dreadful situation for the coming year. Uh, We live in the city, and that link isn't always quite so clear, is it? Um, You know, we get our food from Tesco's, uh, generally, or Sainsbury's. We don't, you know, most of us don't go digging it up directly out of the ground, unless you've got an allotment, if you're one of those lucky people. And yet, whatever our context, whether we're in the city, whether we're in the countryside, whatever we happen to be, the psalmist is clear uh, that everything that we enjoy is the result of God's goodness. To us, At every stage, he is the one who is behind it. Um, have a look with me, verse 9. Uh, it's a wonderful uh, praise that the psalmist uh, gives for God. It says, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God filled with waters provide the people with corn. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. Uh, you soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The psalmist is clear, it's God who's the one who cares for land. He's the one who sends the water and the rains. Uh, He's the one who prepares the corn. He's the one who provides his people with grain. Uh, To the extent that their carts are overflowing with abundance, they've just got so much of it. In fact, the psalmist says even more than that. He says that the whole earth blossoms and flowers uh, to give uh, God praise And glory, verses 12 and 13. And this theme is one that runs throughout the scriptures. At every stage, the Bible reminds us that God is a God who provides for his people's needs. One of the titles ascribed to him back in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provider. Uh, Right back in Exodus, we see how God uh, provides for his people. He draws them out of slavery uh, in Egypt. Uh, In the desert, he sends them food, manna and quail, for them to enjoy, for them to be sustained. And then Moses reminds them in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 2, he says that for all their 40 years wandering, God never left them. He was always with them. He always provided for their needs. Uh, Think of the uh, prophet Elijah. ministry was always marked by uh, God's provision for him. Uh, practically in in, uh, terms of food and water. Jesus himself taught his disciples to pray, just as we've prayed uh, earlier. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a recognition, isn't it, that daily we depend on God to provide for all our needs. (coughs) And yet, sadly, the scripture is also clear that so often God's people have forgotten to thank him for his good gifts. Those same Israelites who uh, were given quail in the, uh, in the desert uh, constantly grumbled to Moses that God had forgotten them. He didn't care about them anymore. They would have been better off back in slavery. Later in their history, around the time this psalm was, um, was probably written, uh, they were tempted to ascribe the harvest to Baal or some other pagan god uh, around and forget the gods who loved them and who sustained them. Uh, I was struck uh, recently by how when Cipher came back from their uh, Uganda trip, uh, they said, one of the big things they said was how thankful many of the Ugandan Christians were. That was a big note note that they uh, had. They don't seem to have much, as far as we would say. Uh, They are are far less blessed in terms of material things than we are. Uh, And yet the the note was one of thankfulness. Uh, They they were constantly grateful to God uh, for all that they had. Uh, We are so fortunate, aren't we, in this country? We enjoy uh, abundance of so many things, whether it's food or uh, healthcare, uh, stable government, Uh, and yet so often we fail to thank God for those things uh, that he's given us. Uh, A preacher I once uh, heard spoke of um, the discipline of thankfulness, this idea that uh, actually part of uh, growing as a follower of Jesus uh, is to grow in thankfulness, is being intentional, about uh, thanking God for all that he's given us. And I wonder, uh, perhaps daily, can we give thanks to God for something in our lives? We've all got things that we can be thankful for. Maybe it's just the blessings of having a house. Um, We've got running water. Many people in the world don't have that. We do have stable government. We've got healthcare. We've got family. We've got friends. Uh, We've got so many things uh, to give thanks for. Uh, Why not try and daily give thanks for one thing at least. And maybe practically we could take steps to bless others who are less fortunate than we are. There's opportunities uh, to serve with um, food bank or um, helping out with Beeson. Uh, Just a way of practically uh, giving thanks and blessing those who aren't as fortunate as we are. Uh, Whatever our situation, whatever we happen to be in, like the psalmist, we can give thanks to God for all his good gifts and we can share that Uh, With others. Well, the great Welsh preacher uh, Martin Lloyd Jones once said that the first great characteristic of the true Christian is always a sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God. The first great characteristic of the true Christian is always a sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God. I think our psalmist would probably agree with that. That is the mark of God's people thankfulness and gratitude and let's be praying shall we that we uh, both individually but also corporately as uh, the body of Christ uh, would be growing in thankfulness to God Uh, gratitude for his grace in the Lord Jesus grace that we don't deserve gratitude for his might his power at work in our lives and gratitude for his goodness in giving us all that we need uh, all the more that we could ask or imagine let's pray shall we Lord, we do thank you. There are so many things uh, that we can give you thanks for. We thank you for uh, your grace shown to us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you offer us a fresh start, forgiveness, uh, that life that we so don't deserve. Uh, We thank you for your power. Thank you that you are at work in our lives. And we thank you so much uh, that you do bless us with all these good things, good food, families, uh, health care, good government, Uh, All these things we give you thanks and praise for and we pray that you would help us to grow into being a thankful people. Uh, Please help us not uh, to take these things for granted uh, but to give you thanks and praise now and forever. Amen.